0: BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.
1: Tonight, I can report to the American people and to the world
0: that the United States has conducted an operation that killed Osama bin Laden, where we continue to follow the time. capture and killing of Osama bin Laden now. Those, Those are just some of the scenes overnight as thousands of Americans gathered in celebration of Osama bin Laden's death. Former Navy SEAL Rob O'Neill says he has thought about the mission every day since that May Day in 2011.
1: For multiple conversations you had with Rob O'Neill over the past year and a half, How'd you get And you action? described that his head kind of exploded yes. when you hit I, him. Yes, I actually hit him three times because I shot him twice when he was standing and once on the ground.
0: That is the fucking American badass. Zoom out
1: there. Go, go, go. We are not going for fame and we are not going for bravado. We are going for the single mom who dropped her kids off at elementary school on a Tuesday morning and then 45 minutes later she jumped to her death out of a skyscraper.
0: If you need help... Hang up
1: and then dial your operator. I'm Rob O'Neill, and this is the Operator Podcast. Hello. This is Robert J. O'Neill, and this is Episode 8 of the Operator Podcast. And once again, it's called the Operator Podcast because I'm not calling myself the Operator. I'm calling us all operators in our own fields i was an operator in the navy now i i'm an operator in the private sector which means i i'm trying to do stuff so i can uh maintain the mortgage payments and the rent you yourself are an operator whatever you're doing um if you're supporting your family supporting yourself making your making your life better making your community a better place you are the operator and uh that's what we're that's what we do we're, we're going to sit here and talk about current events other stuff like that I do take questions off of social media at Makuya and I read them believe it or not I will delete you if you're an asshole but I um not on Twitter though I'll mute you you'll never know it um but uh I read them and I take them and we talk about them and it's interesting to hear different topics operator to operator because believe it or not we are all pretty much the same I always mention there are the top 1% the people that were born to do something and are complete freaks of nature like um LeBron James is a one percenter. He was going to be in the NBA. He was going to be excellent. He's probably got another 10 solid years in him. Um, There are people that can um, work out seven days a week. Don't take days off or always in the gym. Don't get hurt. One percenters. I've seen guys in the SEAL teams. I've been with guys in the SEAL teams that can drink all night, and I've seen them smoke uh, cigarettes. They rip darts. Till two in the morning, they're up at five and they can still run those six minute miles. Pretty impressive. One percenters. Most of us are not that. They're called the one percenters because if you're in the one percent, you're not like the normal people. Uh most of us are normal people, whether whether we like it or not. Uh however, on that too, if everyone's special, no one's special. So you do need to put out the people who are putting out the people who are doing stuff are the operators. This is the podcast. This is where we talk. Uh today what I would like to talk about is um Planning versus preparation. The only time the perfect plan exists is in the planning room. Once you leave to do your job, everything seems to change. You can sit around and plan and plan and plan. Once you leave to do your job, Murphy shows up. Murphy's Law and everything changes. Um I I mention this because I get to I, I've flown a lot this past week. If you follow at Mikuya. The reason it's at Mikuya too, and I don't know if I brought this up or not, is because I was introduced to Twitter and Instagram right around the time I left the Navy and somebody told me that uh there's a, there's these new social media platforms, and if you make a fake name, you can just mess with other people and you'll be anonymous. So just think of something funny. And I thought Mikuya sounded funny because O'Neill is Irish. I called myself a Mick. We say Huya in um in buds. So Mikuya at Mikuya and uh uh, that's that's why i became at Makuya. but anyway uh, um um I, I i was posting recently i've been to a lot of airports i fly a lot which is fun because i see people in, the, in their natural environments with this transit and i get to uh observe people it's awesome uh i get to deal with the tsa quite a bit i'm a big believer in in um always putting yourself in in someone else's shoes everyone is their own vessel and i bring the tsa up because people like me the travelers deal with the TSA once in a while and they um, don't like the experience but you got to figure TSA deals with us every day. Can you imagine if you had the job, if you were the operator at the airport called the TSA and you had a deal with us every day. So I get to see them, I get to fly but I also get to see people interact with each other and for some reason it seems like airports they really bring up, they bring out the worst in people. Most people are afraid ah, not afraid they're on edge because even though flight has been around for a while a lot of people don't like to think about flying they think turbulence in the air could be it that's why the pilots always monotone having said that uh people are kind of on edge it's not and one of the only things there is to do in the airport is drink uh it passes the time it takes the edge off and eventually you have enough cocktails You're like fuck it i don't care make sure you hit something hard um but people are there i deal with them uh and it's important when dealing with people to put yourself in their shoes to deal with with them as people as well, the preparation versus planning. Um, you ever you ever been on a plane before and seen seen people get in arguments? And, and this happens a lot. I bring up D.C. quite a bit. I bring up the swamp a lot because very. Not very important, but very self-important people like to land in DC. And you, as soon as as soon as a, an airplane lands, you'll see you'll see somebody immediately stand up. They grab their shit and they want to get off the plane. And I'm sure there's a better way to get off the plane than we do, but we do it that way. People will start to grab their stuff, and then you'll hear the chest bumping fat guy fights with you know I, I have a, a sort of untied tie, but no jacket and like the 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 walrus in the Arctic type shit. And then all you hear the the fight never gets physical, but it always turns into. Do you know who I am? And the retort is, "Well, do, do you know who I am?" Uh, here, here's a little, a little nugget of knowledge for you. No one fucking cares. You are who you are. Take a breath. I, I said last time, just start with a smile, uh, and and um, everything will be, everything will be okay if you start with a smile and are nice to someone. I've had these interactions before, where be it on the plane, getting off the plane, on the plane, or taking. The, the little tram or, or, or the bus to get a rental car and you see someone, everyone's crabby and you think this would be someone I could get into an argument with, but you just give it a second and, and say something nice. I had someone comment on something I was wearing and I smiled back and I was like, and we had a cordial conversation as opposed to being those, those two on a Spirit Airlines fight that are throwing haymakers out of nowhere. Just relax, calm down, take a deep breath. Slow is smooth, smooth is fast. Put yourself in someone else's shoes uh, calm down, and the realization, that's, this is why, I mean, road rage, trust me, I'm the king of it. I can yell and scream and honk the horn. you got to realize at some point, too, we're all the same, and in traffic transit and usually the airports, we're never going to see each other ever again. It doesn't matter. I, as, as someone who has had uh, possible international incidents on airplanes, it's, it ain't worth it, man. Calm down. Take that breath. That's part of the preparation to get there. I, br- I bring up preparation, again, too, uh, uh, as b- being being aware of your surroundings. I mentioned they serve alcohol in planes, and there's no... You ever noticed there's no drinking uh, time, and no one looks down on anyone else who's drinking in, in airports? Recently in Nashville, and they will serve everything from wall bangers to uh, whatever iced tea was stuffing them, tall beers, someone's playing live music right as the airport opens, you know, because people are nervous or whatever. But... Uh, um, um, when you get on the planes, the, the the preparation of getting there, that's there for a reason, too. Um, instead of yelling at each other and all that stuff, take that time to, to the preparation of flying. When they give like the... Um, here, here's an example. The safety brief. They give a safety brief in an aircraft. At this point, everyone's staring at their phones. Most people have their headphones on, and no one's listening. Um, I, they have to explain, even though this is ridiculous, they explain... The oxygen when it comes out of the um i've never been on a plane when the oxygen actually drops down out of the thing and I, I think as, as a as a as a, an observer of humanity, I kind of want to be on one of those planes in a minor incident where the shit comes out just to see the responses because I'm always the guy when the turbulence hits, and after you know a couple uh, a couple stiffies I'll just start start yelling around people this could be it guys, this could be it but i I want to see um just how people respond because it's pretty obvious that when the um when the, the oxygen comes out, that is meant for you to put... A, I mean, there's a strap and there's a cup. Put it on there. You're supposed to breathe because they're assuming that the plane depressurized because of the altitude or whatever. They have it pressurized to a certain altitude inside the plane, but if it depressurizes, as opposed to the action movies of flying out of the plane, which won't happen, you know, you put the oxygen on, oxygen on yourself and then put it on your child. Or is that meme I saw that was kind of funny? It's a woman with a, a little boy in like a denim shirt and jeans. And it says, make sure you put your mask on yourself before you give one to your tiny husband. But now they're at the point where they're actually explaining um, – they explain that uh, COVID is real and it's still out there, but you don't need to wear a mask. But if you want to wear a mask – and I'm sure they mentioned boosters because something's got to be sponsored by Pfizer because how, how else are they going to make billions of dollars off of us? But they explain that if you're wearing your mask, your cloth mask, which doesn't work, um, and you can get banned from an airline for not wearing one and taking a selfie and a tweet, i.e. I've done that and been banned. But if you don't take off your cloth mask first – The oxygen won't work. We have to tell people this. And uh, we're not, I mean, I love people. But I think like uh, one of my sayings is never meet your heroes because you're gonna find out we're all pretty much as dumb as the other one. <laughs> we get good at fighting each other because we can we can blurt out statistics on anything that we just read. And we can regurgitate them uh, again on social media. But when we get together, that herd me. I mean, because we have um, you know the sharp teeth and the dumb teeth. So we are we're carnivores and herbivores, omnivores, whatever you want. what kind of we're vores, and we'll eat stuff. Um, but we, we also will will follow each other. And, and so we need to explain. Here's a mask that the government who is just, they're not about party politics and staying in power or making money off the fucking companies that are selling you this bullshit and all these vaccines they're just all about your safety but take this off and then put that on and then your tiny husband can live too um but most people they need to be told that but they're not paying attention again they're listening to whatever well, i do it too i'm guilty of it too you know when they mention your safety vest and i'm talking about preparation because we mentioned in the last podcast the normalcy bias. People think everything's going to be okay until it's not. Just because something bad has happened means it won't. So you get that brief, and all that is an annoyance. You're pissed off about why you got the middle seat, not what happens in the rare occasion of a water landing. Um, they tell you where your life vest is, and, and actually, they put it on. And there's that, you know, the junior flight attendant explaining to you, and God bless flight attendants too, they also put up with us all the time. Uh, and we only get to see the highlights of them whooping someone's ass. But uh, flight attendants, God bless them. Uh, I love them. I, I know a lot. of, I see a lot of flight attendants quite a bit. And again, uh, un- underappreciated people who deal with us at all times and have to answer the dumbest questions and deal with us. Again, the dumbest people. Um, anyway, they explain to you. I'm sure you've seen it. Where's your life is? Have you Have you ever looked for it? Have you have you ever physically felt underneath? Because because they'll say some planes differ. Some are here. Some are there. Blah blah blah. Here's the you know up front. You'll see a raft, and sometimes the slide will come out when the fucking thing opens, and everyone's screaming and someone's hair's on fire. Have you ever n- noticed where it is? Do do you you should do yourself a favor. Look next time when they tell you. Just put down whatever you know. Instagram or or a grinder or whatever whatever you do, um, look under there, feel it, and there's going to be a tab where you pull it out, and they'll explain to you. Listen to this: in the unlikely event of a water landing, now you should probably only put your vest on in case of a water landing, right? And I know you've heard this brief a bunch of times. You ever notice they say um, you can, you can there's two ways to inflate it. There's an oral tube, the one that you can orally blow on. You Navy guys out there get this. You can blow on it and it inflates, or you can pull the thing and there's probably a CO2 canister, pow, it'll open. But they always say, do not inflate it in the airplane. Why do you think that is? And I'm being serious. Think about it right now. Why shouldn't I inflate this in the airplane? Well, here's the reason. Because the plane might, even though it shouldn't, but the, you know, On paper, the plane shouldn't sink right away, but it might eventually. But because there's never a perfect plan, the the plane might just sink. Now think about this. You're inside that flying tube. The Wright brothers proved could fly. uh, uh, And it's going to the bottom. And you're inside it sinking to the bottom of something. We'll just call it an ocean. If you inflate it inside and it's sinking, what are you going to do? You're going to get pinned to the top. That's why they tell you the little stuff that they tell you. That's the preparation. I know I should know where my exits are. I should pay attention to how to open the doors. Sometimes your exits might be located behind you because I would personally believe that some of us aren't smart enough to think about that. We got to get that way. They also mention, again, this is a uh, this is preparation. They all they always say, um, in case of an emergency, and this will be anything like if we if we well crash on land, more power to you. You survive that. Crash in the water, don't grab your stuff. Don't reach up into the um, overhead to grab your carry ons. The problem is, again, going back to the normalcy bias, I guarantee people will do that because now you're in a state of shock and it happens. And people, but you do yourself this favor. I am, I hope. Hope above all hope that you never get into a plane crash. <laughs> I mean that that should go without saying. That should be like a I say good morning to the barista when I get my coffee, and I also say you know glad you were born. I hope you don't get in a plane crash, but I hope you don't get in a plane crash. Um, if you do and you survive, because uh, um, pilots can do a lot more shit up there than you think, and they can put it down sometimes. Like I always say about skydiving, when I was the lead jumper for a number of years at uh, at Seal Team Six. Um, I have, a, um, a glide ratio that I'm going to do under canopy on the way in when, you know, a canopy is the parachute above me I'm going 20 miles an hour in no wind. The first thing I do when I get my night vision down, I get a positive visual identification on the drop zone. I do a glide ratio, which is a, um, it's uh, it's a calculation, and it's I, I've said this before, but I'm reiterating. It's altitude, distance, speed, and heading and bearing. Can we make it? If we can't make it, find an alternate drop zone. Pilots can do this shit too. And the nice thing about flight and skydiving is no matter how bad it goes up there, you're going to land. So the pilot might put it somewhere in a field, on a highway, on water. If you find yourself in that situation when you see people like zombies reaching up to grab their uh, carry-ons, you stop them. Hey, stop, out. We'll get it later. The same reason when someone, I hope since the last episode, you've at least done research on how to get a CPR class so you can know CPR when you need it. One of the first things you do in CPR after actually proving to the people that you're trying to save that you are qualified and you will not hold me accountable in case you do die on the fucking turkey leg you're choking on. Because families can sue you, not because they're assholes, because it's fucking ambulance chasers that are, uh, they will chase them down so they can make money because they care about you. Lawyers are awesome. You ever Have you seen that shit about um, Camp Lejeune? Every other fucking commercial is about Camp Lejeune. If you were here between 1950 and 1983, what blah, 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 there could be a huge, and you won't be charged shit if you don't, yeah, because they give a fuck about you. Those are lawyers. Anywho, um, the first thing you you learn in um, CPR is you point at someone and say you call nine one one, and you're singling them out. You're 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 pu- you're clapping their your hand in front of their face. You're getting them ready. You don't say someone call nine one one. Does anyone know VCR or whatever the shit you say? You call nine one one. You do this, and then you perform CPR. You're getting people going. Be the person in the. Plane, in the aisle of the plane to remind people, stop grabbing that. Don't do. Get out. We got to save save ourselves. iPads comparatively are inexpensive. They're cheap. Life is life is expensive. iPads are cheap. Life is expensive. I'll buy you the shit you bought at the uh, at the the market for eight bucks uh, at you know in the airport because they have the, the market corner. Be that person. Be prepared for that shit. Preparation versus planning. Here's another interesting one. This isn't to do with flying, and I'm just kind of going off on tangents here. And it's always interesting. I I, I mentioned before that I don't like it when people say, "Well, this is the way we've always done it." That's just laziness, and that's resting on your laurels. Here, here's like when 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 not when I say we, I don't mean me. I was there. Um, I, I was one of the normal dudes. We we collectively, and not just Seal Team Six, and not just Delta, not just SF guys that were in fights though. Which believe it or not wasn't all of us, but the ones who were, we, before we started fighting, we were resting on Vietnam tactics saying, well, I would we'd ask, why are we running into the house? Well, we're, we're going to fight anyway. Might as well get in the fight. This is the way we've always done it. And I remember a new guy saying, why don't we just pan at the door? Why don't we slow down? Why don't we chill out? Well, this is the way we've always done it. We were resting on our laurels. I thought it was stupid at first, but then people started getting hit. People started dying. Al-Qaeda knew our tactics that we were coming. We better change this. So don't just, think, don't just think this is the way we've always done it. There might be a better way. Someone younger than you, someone someone actually new to your industry, and I don't care what your industry is. Um, we've all had our first day somewhere, and we've all been nervous. Someone new might have a fresh set of ideas and bring them up. Now, having said that, if you're the new guy don't be the loud mouth who can't shut the fuck up. But if you see some something, you know it's okay to pull someone aside and say, have we thought of this? Maybe we have, maybe we haven't. But it's okay to bring it up. Someone brought up, uh, we called it combat clearance. We're going to slow down. Okay, cool. Let's do it. Um, now, the reason I bring that up too, my first deployment um, to Afghanistan was in Jalalabad, uh, Jalalabad City. And I got to know the area. And uh, I I was new at SEAL Team 6, but it was my fifth or sixth deployment in the Navy. And then I started doing it, and then I was running different places, and I ended up back in Jalalabad a few years later. But I got to know the city, and it turns out okay, Uh, Bin Laden had a house, Osama bin Laden had a house in Jalalabad before 9 11. You know, he hauled ass. After nine eleven, after he, they found out that we were serious, or we're going to go fuck him up. Um, but I, one of my last deployments, I was running several. Diff- I was a senior enlisted advisor in several different places. And I had a new guy, not a not a SEAL, but a new in- intel dude or something like that, a new new dude, to, new to the Navy, and he'd been assigned to our team. And I remember showing him a map study, and we we're like, "All right, here's whatever, blah blah blah." And I, we pointed to something on this map, and we go, "This is bef- before before we got Bin Laden," and we said, "This is." Um, there's Osama bin Laden's house. And he stopped us. He goes, oh, my God, have we checked there yet? And we're like, well, yeah, I mean, we checked. It's his old house. He, he, good good, good on you for being heads up. Check there. Um, but again, it's, there's nothing wrong with thinking outside the box. I bring this up because I was having a conversation with someone in my travels. And it's, it's good to talk to people, again, because we both realize we're all kind of from the same place. We're all pretty dumb. But if you slow down and if you're nice to people and you start talking to them, um you know the the dude getting on the plane who might have accidentally bumped you with his backpack because sometimes situational awareness you forgets you you forget that you're carrying a backpack and you might turn it into someone also don't be that fucking idiot anyway you might be that guy and that happened to me and um i ended up talking to him great guy we had a good talk afterwards it was it was just cool instead of me being you dick i didn't say anything until later um And I'm pointing out that there's, you know, so many different sides, but someone that I know lives in an area where, um, you know, crime's getting, there's more crime around. And one thing common in this person's neighborhood was, uh, people breaking into, into your cars and stealing your shit out of your car, shattering the window, going through it and stealing it. And, um, what this person said was they just, they leave their car unlocked. And I was like, well, that's stupid. And then that person said, well, no, that's not stupid. I mean, if you think – if you, and this is me thinking, well, that, that that isn't stupid because locks pretty much only keep honest people out. So if you leave it unlocked but don't leave shit in there, um, they might check it and just realize nothing's in there and close the door, leave it unlocked, and leave, as opposed to shattering the window, which is easy, opening it, <laughs> realizing there's nothing in there, and then leaving just the same way they would. And that's kind of interesting. Do I want to have nothing in my car and have nothing get stolen with the doors unlocked? Or do I want to have nothing in the car, have one of my windows get shattered and uh, I have to replace the window? It's kind of interesting if you think about it. That, that is, I mean, and if they, like, at this point in technology, if they steal that shitty little radio you have, I mean, that would just come. And you're not, you, you know, we don't have the ones like I had when I was delivering pizzas at the Vaux Villa in Butte, Montana, which happened, where you just yank it out and pull it and you carry it in like it's like a, a little robotic purse. Whatever, but yeah, that's it's just an interesting way to think outside the box, but keep it simple. Master the basics, and uh, and you you know you can pretty much do it. It's like it's like the, the shirt I'm wearing. It's uh, um, it we we took the idea. Of, it says front toward enemy to olive drab shirt. It said olive drab military. It says front toward enemy, and that's what a claymore mine says because you keep it simple. Um, it's 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 a uh, claymore mine is like a uh, what is it two pounds a pound and a half C4. It's explosives on one side, and there's like 800 ball bearings. And the way it works is it explodes, and the ball bearings shoot out one direction, right? Uh, and it, they go through the enemy, and they kill them. But you don't want to put it the wrong way and have it come at you this way. So it literally says front toward enemy, and that's as simple as you can get. And on the back of these, um, these uh, shirts and hoodies, in the same yellow color le- lettering, it just says back. Because that's what a claymore says: front toward enemy, back is the back. And I even told people these the, these sweatshirts that we make. Um, it's not a hoodie, it's not a t-shirt. It is an instruction manual on how to put on a hoodie or a t-shirt: front toward enemy, back is the back. Kind of cool. And also, we have these flags on there too. So the story with the flag: the, the American flag looks backwards on these um on these shirts because we ended up doing that. I remember when we because we would wear the the um. American flag where the, the the fifty stars and the blue are in the upper left hand corner and then the, the, the red and white stripes are on one end and that's how the flag looks. But somebody decided, and this is maybe one of my conspiracy theories that since we're in war now, we need to, as you run towards the um, as you run towards the fire, as you run towards the enemy. Or in some people's cases, as you run towards the chow hall, uh, the flag is waving, so it's going that way. So they put them on the opposite end. It had to be someone, someone got paid to re-equip the entire military with backwards flags and wear them on the other shoulder because someone's getting paid for the hook and pile tape, or as you people say, the Velcro and a different flag. So someone, I'm betting in the Department of Defense, the Pentagon, or the government had a lot of stocks a lot of money in this in in the company a lot of stock in the company that made these fucking things and and then we were there anyway they're on our shirts too front toward enemy keep it simple um and that's good for life whatever's in front of you put it in front of you front toward the end wait it's not just the enemy it's whatever you're dealing with put it there keep it simple and uh keep in front um that that reminds me too because i was i was talking about uh Young Rob, when I, was, when I was dealing pizzas, which, which was, the, I think, the second best job I ever had. The, my, my favorite job I ever had was working at McDonald's, and that's a no-shitter. And I'm still willing to do this. Um, I think pound for pound, and I'm talking price versus quality, I'm not, I don't think you can beat the Big Mac. I really don't. And uh, that's, just, that's just me being me. I, 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 don't get me wrong. Love a Whopper. Love a quarter pound of a cheese. And then there's the fight between, you know, in and out Wahlburgers, five guys, shit like that. I think, I think Wahlburgers wins that one, but pound for pound, uh, the Big Mac, you know what you're getting. There it is. And, uh, I don't know if they got smaller or, or I got older, but I, I a couple of them, the only thing better than a Big Mac is two Big Macs. That might, that might've been Shakespeare. I, th- I could be making that shit up. Um, but it, it brought me back to my, my, um, my, uh, w- when I was pizza delivery at the Vue Villa after McDonald's, um, and, uh. You know, it, it, I said the perfect plan exists in the planning room. I mentioned before that I joined the Navy by accident um, because uh, it was time to get out of town, and the easiest way out of Butte, Montana, is to join the military. And not a lot of dudes join the Navy from Butte, Montana. They go Marine Corps, or they go Army. And I went down there, and the Marine recruiter wasn't there. My plan was to finish college, get an MBA, and work with my dad. Um, that plan completely changed when I got to college, um, and then I, you know, I went to get out of Butte, Montana. My um, now my my uh, my plan after that plan, my immediate plan right in front of me was get out of town. Marine Corps went there. The Marine recruiter was not in the office. Navy guy was. I talked to the recruiter because I maybe he knew where the Marine was. He said you don't need to join the Marine Corps to be a sniper. We got snipers in the Navy. I was looking at him, thinking, okay, you're a professional recruiter. There's no way as a recruiter you're going to lie to me. So I joined. Um, and then uh, life kept going. I'm, I'm a huge believer in the butterfly effect. What, what you do now, the, the most minute decision that you make could greatly impact everything ever it, the, for the rest of your life. And the butterfly effect is something along the lines of a uh, butterfly flaps its wings um, east of us in Africa. And that wind gets stronger and stronger as it grows over the uh, Atlantic, which is an ocean. And it turns into a hurricane, and that's called the butterfly effect, something like that. I, I do need to research that, but I'm, I'm going off on tangents. Uh, I think about the butterfly effect, and the, get a load of this. Um, if here's here's my I, I was uh, had I not joined the navy, had I been good at football or or, or been better at basketball, or not had a bad experience uh, and just stayed in Butte, Montana, I never would have joined the navy. Had the Marine recruiter been in his office instead of out to lunch, literally, if it wasn't lunchtime, let's say I went there in the morning and he was there, I would have joined the Marine Corps. Great. I would have been a Marine, never known about Navy SEALs and how handsome they are. Um, But because I went at noon, because he was at lunch, because the, the Navy guy needed a quota, not because he gave a shit about me, I joined the Navy. And because I joined the Navy, I figured I would just, okay, I joined the Navy. I will stay in for four years, four or five years. I'll still be young. I can come back to Butte, Montana, which at the time I thought was the Mecca, the capital of planet Earth. I thought when people said the city, they weren't talking about New York. They were talking about Butte, Montana. But, um, I, you know, I went there. Uh, five years I'll stay. I made it through training. Didn't plan on making it to the training. I thought I would be on a Westpac on a Navy ship somewhere going out to uh, Indonesia and um, the Philippines and Taiwan. And who knows if that would happen. A completely different um, lineage if you will, but I made it through. Uh, and before you know it, out at SEAL Team 2 on the East Coast, my time is now up in between meeting people, different relationships. Um, but because the the guys that were so good that made it through SEAL training, the Navy SEALs I served with, that time flew by, and time does fly by. Remember that. The one thing we have in common is time does not stop moving. It keeps ticking. Take advantage of what you're doing. But it, because say the guys weren't cool. Say it sucked to be a Navy SEAL. I mean, don't get me wrong. We make everything suck as Navy, SEAL. the military in general. We make everything suck. We make skydiving suck. We make scuba diving suck. But the people there, the camaraderie, the senses of humor, the realization again, like I said, we're all from somewhere. We're all pretty much the same. Never meet your heroes. Um, but be- if they weren't cool, I would have left back to Butte, Montana. I would have been back at one of the bars in Butte, Montana, telling kick ass sea stories about how awesome everybody is. But I met the guys. Time's up. Time to re enlist. I re enlisted. I'll do four more years. I'm young. This is fun. We're going to Europe. I've been to Europe and Africa, parts of the Middle East. This is a blast. I re-enlisted. 9-11 happens. Can't leave now. I gotta, I gotta stay and fight. They taught me to fight. And then uh I just because I went to a leadership school on the damn neck annex of Oceana Naval Air Station, and there happened to be a guy from Seal Team 6. In, a bear, in civilian clothes with a beard, had been to Afghanistan, and he saw me in the Navy Exchange, which is, you know, the Navy Exchange, everyday low prices at your family store. It's, it's the Navy version of a mall. Um, he was mean-mugging me because I'm in a uniform with a trident, but I'm not at SEAL Team 6, and there's a difference. And he's mean-mugging me, and simply because I ran into him, simply because I took a class at Damneck, I was at Little Creek, which is, you know, a, a, a ways away depending on which way uh, you go. I never would have saw him. Never would have been pissed at him mean mugging me. He mean mugged me. I'm like, fuck that guy. I need to find out what SEAL Team Six is. I found out, and I went over there. And then, as luck would have it, someone at a place at one of the squadrons liked me, and I got Red Squadron because I got Red Squadron. I was in a certain place. My first deployment happened to be um, when we were in Jalalabad City. I happened to get picked by a team from someone who liked me, and we were um, uh, uh, ended up recovering the lone survivor. Because I was at Red Team, because of staying there, um, we, I was, because I, I st- st- stuck around and did the schools in order to get better at air operations, I became the lead jumper. I led in the jump to rescue Richard Phillips. Because after a certain amount of years, I decided I did not want to go be an instructor. I did not want to take a break. I'm staying here. Then I happened to get picked because right place, right time for the Bin Laden raid. And that all happened because the Marine recruiter was not in the office. If you think about it, and that's the butterfly effect. I, if that Marine recruiter was not in the office, I would not have my kids. It's crazy when you think about it that way. And we all have that. Think back to little shit that you decided that didn't seem like it mattered at the time, but it made a big difference. That's, that brings me to um, that. Keep it simple. Keep, keep it simple. Um, someone, always, someone asked me, if uh, what's, what's good advice in life? And I said, uh, take the shot. And that means anything. Whatever it is, take the shot. Take it. What, what did Wayne Gretzky say? You miss 1,000% or, sorry, Wayne, Gre- Wayne Gretzky said you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Uh, there, Michael Scott from, from The Office also said that, but that's, uh, that's, that's, one, of my, that's one of my favorite quotes. Uh, here's a good one, too. Keeping it simple, I always say whatever it is, get over it. Learn from it and move on. And then as far as the shot, whatever the shot is, take the shot. Take it. Um, here's the, here's a, yet another way that I've simplified it. I talked about 15-year-old Rob O'Neill who worked at McDonald's and graduated to delivering pizzas and ended up joining the Navy completely by accident. Uh, this is a very common question, and I love my answer. People say, if you could give advice to 15-year-old Rob O'Neill right now, what would it be? And the answer is, ask her out. That's simple, isn't it? And I mean both ways. But for, for, you know, for young Rob O'Neill, for the guys out there, for the, the, the guys that don't know what they're going to do in life, even the guys right now that are 35, ask her out. Just take a shot. Uh, you, you know that's common, and it was common when I was young, and it's common with now or with you, is uh, they'll say, why is that completely hot girl with that ugly dude? And you know why? Because He asked. And I I go back to putting yourself in other people's shoes, um, the 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 and again forgive me I'm talking to guys here the hottest girl that you see she's not secure with herself she thinks something's wrong if someone calls her fat she's gonna take it serious she she wants to be asked out. Don't be the guy sitting over there at a, at, a, at a high school dance that doesn't go ask someone to dance. I don't know how it works now. I, maybe uh, I heard that all your high school dances now are done. They're virtual and they're online and, and you can text dance or some shit. But no, I'm, I'm, not, I'm serious. Take the shot. Ask her out. I like to say that I've been a lot of places and seen a lot of things, but one thing that is common with success around the world is a good night's sleep. If you sleep well, you're going to perform better. That's why I'm talking about GhostBed today. Check out GhostBed.com. They've got... More than 20 years of patented sleep technology. And every mattress has 20 years warranty. Some have a 25-year warranty. You can try it out for 101 days. And if you don't like it, which you will, you can return it with no hard feelings. And GhostBed.com offers everything you need with bundles. You don't really need to think about it. Just choose from their four mattresses, then pick your bundle. So whether you need a mattress or a frame or you want it all, they have cooling pillows and sheets. Get the best bang for your buck with a bundle at ghostbed.com. This, coming from a high-performance team, this is high-performance sleep. And this all goes back to, uh, you know, it's living in the moment, being prepared, and the realization of the butterfly effect that things aren't always going to work out the way they should, the way that you plan them to. Be prepared for everything, but, you know, when you make a plan, God laughs at you. It's like, uh, I remember being in Afghanistan Cause there was a time when we, so we invaded Afghanistan basically right after nine 11, but the contingent, the contingency, there was always a plan to invade Iraq. That just gave us a reason to, I mentioned that before how, uh, because of personal relationship, president Bush, the, the, um, the Bush administration, Dick Cheney, a lot in his administration wanted to invade Iraq. So we did, even though Iraq had nothing to do with Afghanistan, but there was a time when we were fighting in Afghanistan where we were just in Afghanistan, the big time fighting was in Iraq because it was easier for the Mujahideen, the uh, the Army of God, if you will, the, the Al Qaeda, uh, to fight Americans and kill them in Iraq. So they went there. So the, you know it was easier to travel, you know, through Jordan or Saudi Arabia, get into Iraq get in one of the cities, get out in Al assad Fallujah, and and fight Americans there in Ramadi or or Baghdad or or wherever. It was easy. It was easier to get there. So we weren't fighting a lot in. Afghanistan, and I remember with this with a small team that we had. We were stationed out of Bagram, Afghanistan, and that was a that was a time where like um, just a couple people there, and we had like a Halloween party there and stuff like that with other branches of service. Not a lot going on, but we did have stuff here and there. Um, I'll get into those when I talk about different missions. They do come up. That's why be ready to fucking fight because your life can change in the blink of an eye. So don't get complacent. But um, we were getting briefed by an admiral. This is a Navy SEAL admiral. And, you know, you're assuming they know a thing or two. That's not always the case. Uh, Sometimes people stick around long enough just to get promoted. And some people are promoted because other branches want to fuck that other branch over. And we had a guy giving us a brief saying, and it was true at the time. He said, you know, there's never been a suicide bomber in Afghanistan. So don't worry about that. There's never been IEDs in Afghanistan. So don't worry about it. And it's like, okay, um, but what if there is well there won't. Okay. Okay. So I guess we'll just we'll just blow that off. And you know, obviously shit went down and they're they're just because if you think of the choke points in Afghanistan, there's so many more roads and urban areas in Iraq. Um there, there's fewer in Afghanistan. There's choke points, man. And you're gonna get hit there. You will eventually. I Iraq is a prime example. Um so uh, President George W. Bush started the war in Iraq in 2003 based on what happened to his dad with Saddam Hussein in Iraq 2000 if you can imagine they both had wars in Iraq. What happened in in a nutshell, in Iraq, the first the, the Gulf War, uh, Desert Storm, is we were able to assist the getting getting the um, Iraqi army out of Kuwait because they did invade Kuwait. Um, We we got them out, and then the the Shia would rise up with us with the assumption that the Americans would keep pushing forward to Baghdad to take out Saddam Hussein and and his his regime, the Ba'ath Party. But we didn't. We we killed a bunch of Iraqis. The Shia rose up, and we told them and the Kurds, the Kurds up in the north, that we will help you. We will get rid of Saddam because, I mean— Let's be real. He did have weapons of mass destruction. We do know that at the time, and they went somewhere. I'm not going to get into that right now because we could talk about that forever. But the Shia—so Saddam was a Sunni, and the Shia were—who uh, were, you know, the 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 Shia were prominently Iran, in Iran, but the Shia in Iraq were being oppressed violently by Saddam, a Sunni, and they wanted him out of power, and again, that's just— Gives me more ideas for another podcast to talk about all that entire thing over there because, you know, whenever there's interest in oil, you're going to find out we will go to war there. But the Shia believed and the Kurds in the north believed that we would roll forward and assist them, which we did not do. You know, if you can imagine, we made a promise to a foreign, um, with, with our foreign counterparts, with our allies, if you will, and then we broke it. And, you know, we basically bent them over and fucked them because as soon as we told them, they did rise up from where they were. They were waiting for the day to take it. Uh, And then we left. And Saddam slaughtered them, a lot of them, used used, uh, chemical weapons against a lot of them, killed them all. So when we came back in 2003, because we're so bad at remembering our history— but we're so good at saying this is the way we've always done it. If you don't remember your history, again, I'm going to be repetitive. If you don't learn from your history, you're going to repeat it, and sometimes violently. So we're rolling through. This time, though, we're doing fucking thunder runs. And I'm talking straight up tanks, Marines, soldiers, Air Force. There's spec ops in there. There's the you know the invasion story that when you're the ages that we were, I don't give a fuck who you're telling us to invade. We're going to go kill. So we're rolling out there. And here's here's the big plan. I'm going to break it down to enlisted guys um so the enlisted guys can understand it i was enlisted i wasn't a really smart officer so we're gonna roll up there we're obviously gonna destroy the elite republic <laughs> ever notice that everyone else's um special forces are elite until we meet them and destroy them but anyway we're gonna do that destroy that we're gonna take baghdad which we will and then everyone's like cool what's the plan after that well the the everyone's going to rise up and they're going to be on our team because Saddam's got over like, OK, cool. But what if they don't? And the answer was, well, they will. Yeah. But what if they don't? Oh, but they will. But they OK. And anyway, they didn't. And that's the problem with um. Uh, Be prepared for the uh, it's it's never there's nothing ever wrong with thinking outside the box and what's the worst possible thing to get happen right now and hopefully being prepared for it. And everything that you think of that you prepared for pr- something else will happen. Uh, another example, too, jumping around, was uh, when we jumped into rescue Captain Richard Phillips in 2009. Um, SEAL Team 6 it was actually designed to rescue American hostages at sea, and it had never been done since 1980. So if we do the quick math, that's 28 and a half years-ish, maybe more, whatever. carrier, Yeah, it's math. Um Never been done, so that's a lot of time to train. And obviously, you know, I was born in 1976. SEAL Team Six was born in 1980, so I wasn't in on the initial initial plans, initial plans because I was doing like kindergarten and shit like that. But um, from 1980 to 2009, which you know was a while, they we probably should have thought of everything, but we never thought of a fully enclosed orange lifeboat being towed by a navy destroyer. But that's just what happened. So. That's the preparation. you gotta, You got to just be there. Um, um, so the preparation there, we're going to get – I talked about claymores and things like that. Uh, I, I talked about um, the operators, um, how we're all operators. I needed to bring this one up because I, lo- I love humor, and I love people that have good, a good sense of humor. And there was a joke – um, You know what? One of the operators who gets overlooked – and we all use take advantage of their skills as farmers. Um, farmers out there don't get don't get credit. Like w- when we have a, a you know a, a government forced lockdown, you, did you notice how we were running out of meat and stuff like that? No one ever wonders why. And uh, there is more than just um, there is strategy involved with that too. If you a lot of people, a lot of governments can take control of you based on hunger. Who controls the food supply? And you got You got to give some love to the farmers because there's never uh, they're never given the proper credit. There's a there's actually a speech given by a guy by the name of Paul Harvey, who was probably the best the best radio personality ever and he said look that up, actually go to YouTube and find his it's a couple minutes about a farmer, it's badass but a farmer's an operator and uh, there was a joke told I'm going to g- give you the, the just the basic version of it I, I, I'm not going to say it uh, exactly but uh, President Reagan who was known for his great sense of humor was giving a speech somewhere and he told the story about uh, an operator about a farmer, he said there's um, there was an old farmer that had this piece of creek bottom land that had never been developed and it's all rocks and it's all brush and it's it just you know it's 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 the wild west and uh you know he, he 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 sees it he starts working hard backbreaking work he starts clearing it he's moving the brush he's cleaning it up hauling the rocks he's cultivating the soil uh and he changes a lot of that he uses the irrigation to make um you know he's planting vegetables. He makes a garden, and it became a garden. It was gorgeous. Uh, everything's nice, and and uh, he's very proud of what he did. And he, he's so proud of it. He's at a Sunday service one day. This old farmer, and uh, when the service is over, he he you know after all this the, the months and months of work, the he says to the the preacher, "You want to come over and check out the land? I'm really proud of it." And the preacher agrees, and he comes over there, and he he took one look at this place, this garden, this farm, and the preacher said, uh, "Wow, these are." These are the the biggest, ripest vegetables I've ever seen. Praise the Lord. And look at these green beans. Man, the Lord has blessed this place. Look at all this wheat that we have now. And boy, God has been good. And and look at the height of that corn. Man, the Lord has certainly blessed you. And the the farmer was over on the side, and he's kind of getting more and more fidgety. He he said, uh, yeah, well, you should have seen this place when God was doing it by himself. So I have been around the world. I've been a lot of places, and there are definitely two things I know. Mismanagement governments lead to economic destruction, and gold has value everywhere on the planet. Whether it's incompetence or intent, the result is the same. Rising inflation and wasteful government spending are destroying the U.S. dollar. I've seen it firsthand, believe it or not. I've seen inflation firsthand. In the late 90s, I was in Istanbul, Turkey. I wanted to see a movie. I went to an ATM And it cost me 7 million lira to get into a movie because of the printing and spending and the incompetence of the government. That's why I am partnered with Allegiance Gold and want you to diversify your portfolio. My friends at Allegiance Gold can help you protect your IRA or 401k with physical gold and silver, or if you prefer, have it delivered securely right to your front door. Their approach is different. They focus on educating and developing a long-term strategy that's right for you. That's why Allegiance Gold has some of the highest ratings in the industry. Five stars with Trust Link, AAA rated with the Business Consumer Alliance and an A-plus from the Better Business Bureau. Go to protectwiththeoperator.com and get up to $2,500 of free silver on a qualifying purchase when you tell them the operator sent you. Or give them a call at 844-790-9191. That's 844-790-9191. We can't control the Biden administration, but we can't prepare for the consequences of their mismanagement of our economy. ProtectWithTheOperator.com. That's ProtectWithTheOperator.com or call 844-790-9191. Which I thought was really funny. That's just a way to say how hard the farmer works. Obviously, you know, God is great, but it's funny the farmer, the operators out there doing that with the farm. I just heard that joke recently because I like to study a little bit of history, like I said, and that's a that's a joke I came across and I I kind of enjoyed it. I hope I didn't I didn't butcher it too bad. Um uh but, th- but then uh, uh talking about the preparation, um I, I mentioned the claim wars and how to keep it simple. Um I had a, a buddy, one of the first guys that I mentioned at uh at SEAL Team Two, so I gradu- I graduated Bud's class two zero eight, and I went to SEAL Team Two. And one of the first guys I met was a guy by the name of Scott Neal, and his name was spelled Neal N E I L L, just like O'Neal, except without the O, obviously. Scott Neal, and he's just a big, uh, uh, hulking man. And one of the first things I saw is I check in, new guy. Three ribbons, no trident. I got lead sleds. I've been to jump school. I got five jumps. I'm a fucking new guy. He's one of the first guys. I saw there's a couple guys I remember seeing. He was one of them because he's walking to the weight room. Big Navy SEAL. Um, the, the closest I could come with all due respect to Scott Neal, I love him, was uh, remember, remember Ogre from uh, Revenge of the Nerds, the big linebacker? Scott was walking across. He might as well have looked at me and yelled, nerd. He's walking to the weight room. he was drinking a gallon of milk. And I just love that shit. He was he was awesome. He, he turned out to be my um to be my LPO, my leading petty officer in one of my platoons. And I I love the man. He he's not he's no longer with us. Um but uh like he was just he was so awesome, so funny. He had that real I mean big tough guy, a great guy, a, a complete tactician. His rate was his rate was this was before SO special operator became a rate in the Navy. You you have your rate and uh, um whatever you know uh pay grade you are um like so i was a parachute rigger or air crew survival equipment pr and then three i was a pr three a third class he was an sm1 at the time when i met him which is a signalman first class um so he's a first class petty officer signalman he was so good at tactics that um uh he knew the signals like, before communications, the Navy guys get out there with the two flags, and they're, like, doing all the cool shit, and they're talking back and forth during uh, underway uh, um, replenishment and shit like that, or how ships talk. They're talking with the flags. Awesome. He knew shit like that. Great fucking dude. Big gallon of milk. Um, and and we, so we weren't SOs. He was an SM-1. And I remember I, I actually asked him one time uh, uh, um, what, how to refer to him because I don't know if you, you, you call your chief chief. You might call the executive officer boss. The CEO's obviously sir. Um, but what do you uh, what do I how do I refer to you? And so this is SM1 Scott Neal. And he said, uh, you can just call me a SM1 Fat Cock. I'll answer. And that's kind of his dry sense of humor. <laughs> Speaking of Claymores, he was so funny. Well, like I go hang out at his house. And like, the, we, you know, young, single Navy SEALs. He, he was like he had a house to himself. Very clean, very clean, dude. And but we would have like kegs or something. Someone, you know, someone that got advanced and got their measly Navy bonus would would put some money down for a keg. So all the team guys would meet up there, and we all go drinking or whatever. And uh, I was at his house on a Friday after work, and uh, I was I was essentially asking him for a ride to the bar. We hadn't been drinking yet, but he's he, you know maybe if he drives, then we'll obviously before Uber get a cab or God forbid walk. And so, uh, you know, we're going to go to this bar. And I said, hey, uh, 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 Fatcock, how are you going to get to the bar? And he looked at me and he goes, I was thinking about uh, hopping on one foot backwards. I'm fucking driving, man. You want to ride? And I I said yes. And it was just funny because we were bullshitting again about – he was a master preparer, very good at everything, one of the guys that – when he was wearing his gear, we talked about gear before: first line, second line, third line gear. He was a guy that knew where the shit was. Reaching the backpack, uh, grab it here. He he knew where stuff was just because he was so good at everything. And we were same day, and we're bullshitting, and we were for some reason in his house. And I was talking about uh, security uh, in the house. You know, obviously you got guns in your house and whatnot. And I said, "Well, hey man, what you know? You're a big tough dude, but what, if you're um you're in your house and you hear someone like." trying to claw through the window like they're outside they're in the perimeter but they're outside the house still how do you handle it how do you handle them and he looked at me straight face goes clack off the claymores and i i laughed i go <laughs> and he's staring at me i'm like claymores run toward enemy i don't know if he was serious or not a good um here's another good scott neil story and and um so there's a thing out there i don't know why that that um People lie about shit they do, and once you – it's, again, the butterfly effect. If you start – if you lie but need to live that life for the rest of your life, it's going to get bigger and bigger and bigger, and you're just going to get busted. But for some reason, um, there, there, a lot of people pretend to be Navy SEALs. A lot of people say that uh, – sorry about that my phone. Um, a lot of people pretend that they're SEALs or they lie about something, and, and we always bust them, and it's so easy to bust a guy lying about being a, a Navy SEAL. It's, there's so many basic questions that we're just going to be able to tell that you're not. But uh, um, th- there was a, a SEAL. I, so I was a SEAL by now. This is later on or whatever, at the point of my career when I'm at SEAL team too. And my sister was back home and uh, she, was, she was at Montana Tech, which is, the, which is a college in Butte, Montana. And she ran into a dude named Marshall who was saying he was a Navy SEAL. And and so she said to him, "Well, my brother's a Navy SEAL." And she told me, "Hey, I met a Navy SEAL." So obviously, the dude in Butte, Montana, who was a Navy SEAL, said, "I got to meet your brother." She tells me, "I'm like, I got to meet this fucker." So we um, we met up. Uh, we agreed to meet at Maloney's Bar on Main Street in Butte, Montana. And I'm in there first because I don't know if I'm gonna you know meet some dude who's lying. And he's coming in there, and uh, he whatever we see each other, and I said, um, "I said, hey, I'm Robbie." He goes, "Hey, I'm Marshall." So you're a SEAL, huh? Yeah, I heard you are, too. And and, uh, he he said, uh, what bud class are you? I said, 208. How about you? He goes, 186. I said, 186. Uh, Scott Neal was in 186. And he goes, yeah, we were in the goon squad together. (laughs) It's like, boom, legit drinks. So that was pretty cool. Just uh, the way you can do that. I had to bring Scott Neal into it with the Claymores, be prepared, all that stuff, and then Marshall. Uh, Don't lie about being shit, because you're going to run into someone that's doing it. Um, And uh, you're going to get called out. So when you fuck up what you will, own it. Get over it. There's no reason to keep lying about shit. You never, if you know the truth, you never need to remember anything else. It's that simple. And uh, I, I bring up Scott Neal because he, uh, uh, God bless him, he died. He, he did 20-plus years in the Navy, retired as a chief, and then uh, he died on his motorcycle a few blocks from his house because I think he was trying to avoid a cat in the street, and he hit his head on a, on a um, mailbox. So um, life can change in the blink of an eye and take advantage of it and uh, remember what's important. What if I told you that food shortages are no joke? They're coming soon. That's why I strongly encourage you to get some emergency food. It stays fresh for the day you need it even years from now. With everything falling apart in America and around the world, I urge you to get your emergency food today by going to preparewithrob.com. You'll find a $250 savings on a Ready hour three month emergency food kit from My Patriot Supply. My Patriot Supply is America's largest and most trusted preparedness company. They've served millions of your fellow citizens. Right now, you'll save $250 on a three month kit with tasty breakfasts, delicious lunches, dinners, drinks, and snacks that give you over 2,000 calories a day. Get one kit for every member of your family and save $250 each. Your orders ship. Fast, and they ship free. When you're ready for real preparedness, look for Ready Hour Foods with My Patriot Supply. Go to preparewithrob.com. That's preparewithrob.com and save $250 on your emergency food kit. Preparewithrob.com. But that's kind of a rare thing, and especially nowadays, too. I mean, look at at a lot of the stuff that you're being told. Tell the truth when you can. Um, It's okay to tell the truth. Because it keeps it simple. It's mastering the basics and not needing to remember bullshit. I, I mentioned buds, people who quit but lied about it and said someone didn't like them, and then they have to keep telling the story over and over. Or someone that says, you know, that, that I said get called out as, you know, I was a Navy SEAL and they tell a white lie over a drink to somebody in a bar, but then that spreads a little bit. And eventually, it catches up to you because you're full of shit. Um, and that, you know, there's nothing being proud of what you do, whatever you're doing as the operator, be proud of what you do. You don't need to bullshit about other stuff because you're, you, you know, you're going to get, you're going to get busted. Um, uh, you know, obviously if you, you know, there, there are times that you need to twist the truth a little bit to, if you're saving someone's ass, that's fine. You know, again, we're, we're none of us, none of us are perfect, but, um, personal stories and stuff like that it's okay to tell the truth but i mean l- look at what's going on right now uh, i always i always bring up politics because that it seems to dominate everything everything is being politicized and if we want to keep it simple and want to stay with the basics people are telling you shit so they can stay in power it's all about them and it's very very selfish it's not about the it's not about the um it's not about what's what's going on and what's good for, for whatever whatever they run on, what uh, subjects they run on and what they stand up for. And I stand up for this, and here's why you should elect me, and I'm the greater good. It's for personal power. It's so they can keep their power. It's so they can keep their spot. Um, you know, it's been – the two-party system has been – it's gone back forever. I mean, a long, long time, and it's bullshit checks and balances. And 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 and, and people smarter than me a long, long time ago have said that, uh, some of the framers have said that the two-party system will be the downfall of everything, and they're pretty much right because right now it's about party. And uh, um, it, it, a lot of it's not even about, as a as a congressperson, it's not about your district. It's about D.C. Uh, look at all the money that funnels in for senatorial races from other states that shouldn't even matter. It's because they're worried about the seats in the fucking chamber in D.C. so their party can stay in power. Look at the further the left goes because classic liberals aren't as crazy as as the word liberal sounds. I mean, a lot of us are, are more socially liberal than liberal than we realize, but the far leftists, the leftists, the Marxists that come out that get in power, the squad type people, they, they'll talk to sitting members of Congress and say that if you don't come this far left, we are going to run someone in the primary against you, so you won't even be up for election. And it's all about the personal power. You get, you get uh, senators that say they're going to vote, they swear up and down that they're going to vote a certain way for the people of their state, and then at the last minute, like the, the Inflation Reduction Act, or whatever the shit is called, that um, it's basically the Green New Deal. They just flip on it because they're worried about their personal power. And there's no term limits. There should be term limits. But there won't be because the lawmakers, well, they're making the laws. They're not going to vote themselves out of office, are they? They're going to bullshit. They're going to tell you, uh, um, you know, it's you got like AOC when President Trump is in office down at the border, fake crying for the cameras about, look at the kids in cages. Not not a peep from her now. You know, they're... they're the. Um, they're they're making tent cities now in New York City because there's this overflow of, um, and it doesn't matter their intentions. Ill, Ill, illegal immigrants, immigrants coming in, and then there's you know they ship them up to uh, New York. There's buses. There's there's flights to New York, and and again just the fucking way the White House talks to you. Oh no, no, they they weren't they weren't in the middle of the night. They were early morning flights. Yeah, one thirty in the morning. If technically early in the morning, but they're lying to you they're just telling you what you want to hear so they can say what they want to say run on the bullshit it, it's uh, um everything is about the next term the next term that they can get so they can stay in fucking power they they were interviewing a lot of these okay a lot of these um uh migrants are being shipped up to new york and and their response and and new yorkers i want to say pill uh pilled new yorkers paid 70 billion dollars in taxes last year and the response new york has is well, to call Texas and Florida racist, but then they built a tent city in New York, right? So there's a tent city. That's what they get their, their $70 billion goes to for, for whatever. And So tent cities are answered. Now, they're interviewing New Yorkers about what do you think of this uh, this tent city coming up in the middle? Of, you know, We'll have all these uh, homeless people roaming around this park where your kids play. And, and their answer in New York was, well, I didn't vote for this. I didn't vote for this. And they're outraged. Well, who'd you vote for? Joe Biden. Yeah, you kind of fucking voted for it, didn't you? but you're towing the party line that's it because they're bullshitting everyone's bullshitting there's there's no there's no um and it's and I'm not I'm not just calling out democrats both sides of the aisle they're 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 in it for personal power and and just sit back and look at it cuz when when you go to the average person I talk about transit I talk about um traveling the, the average person I and I like I just a couple minutes ago said that liberals aren't as crazy as the leftists are making them look. And someone on the right will say, uh, they'll yell about that. Well, liberal, no liberals are fine. Liberal was the whole, uh, it's like they, uh, gay, gay marriage. Fine. That's, that's a liberal way of thinking. And it's logical. If you think about it, get, get away from the crowd. That's what a liberal is. But uh, um, the, uh, the, the, um, the rights, the same, The, the, the politicians are the same. Lobbyists are the same as, as are a lot of attorneys, personal power. How much money can I get? And it's always been like that. It's everywhere. It's a, um, the, a, a a nation that is secure. The first thing is borders. You have to have secure borders. But, but the, the borders are open because the left wants to get more voters, because they assume, which in itself is kind of prejudice, I'm presuming they're going to vote Democrat, let as many as we can in and we'll get these acts out to let them vote. That's why they, they don't want IDs because they don't think you can get IDs. They want everyone here to vote because they're assuming they're going to vote left. Once they find out they're voting Republican, boom, that border's shut. And that's it. It's, it's about power. It's about, it's about, it's not even about, uh, uh, it's not, it's about the, their personal power, their growth. Why do all these politicians live in mansions? Is it because they're public servants? Bullshit. They're making a lot of money a lot of different ways. Party, personal power, party, party, party. It's all about the party. It's ne- you never hear about arguing for your district. Mo- most people in Nancy Pelosi's district don't know that she's their representative. And that's and again like i was saying it's both sides there's there's a there's a guy right now that was running who was um endorsed by donald trump um j r Majewski. uh he's he's running for congress but they found out that some of his uh records he he said he was an an afghan war veteran and they did some digging and you know i wasn't with him so i you know i wasn't there but it looked shady to me but they're saying that uh, he uh he only deployed to Qatar, which is in the Middle East, a country in the Middle East, and they said he was an E two in the in the Air Force. So he's loading planes in Qatar that are supporting it. And and I'm a big believer in the team. I love the team. You're a part of the team. There's more than just the salespeople. They're the people um, building the product that eventually gets sold. But the military is the same way. Everything from the mechanics to the air crew, obviously the intel people, the uh, the 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 people who feed the troops, the guys that go shoot the you know they're, they're, it's all part of a team. But it seems like he embellished um, his war record. And as opposed to own, and again, I wasn't there, but as opposed to owning it, he says, no, no, well, my, uh, I, I did deploy to Qatar, but the rest of my mission was classified, which some people might buy. But people who have deployed, no, that's probably bullshit because, first of all, as an E-2 in the Air Force, <laughs> With four years or whatever in, you're not exactly flying up the ladder. I doubt you're going to get on the classified missions. But as someone who was on a lot of the missions, pretty much every mission I've been on, the famous ones, movies have been made out of. I've never had classified orders. Um, I, I mean, I'm there are probably missions that are um classified. There's shit that like I do have shit that I haven't talked about. I just haven't talked about it. Um, whatever. But I mean, the shit that that was important. You guys know about it by now. And not just because of me. It was out before I left the Navy. But but a lot of this... I mean, there are guys out there that you'll never hear from, and God bless them. Uh, but but guys that... Um, if someone says, yeah, I worked, but it was classified, why, are you, why do you think you're thumping your chest just to tell you I can't tell you? And a lot of guys you run into, e- either you don't know because they just didn't tell you, but the guys that are saying, oh, yeah, you know, I was in the... Uh, so-and-so for a number of years, but uh, I don't like to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. Well, why are you fucking talking about it? Most people that um, say, I can't talk about my service, have nothing to say. And it's kind of an insult to a lot of the men and women who were actually out there sleeping in the bullshit, getting shot at, now that the, you know, the wars are over. Now, all of a sudden, everyone talks about this. So I'm just saying that this dude, whether or not he's telling the truth, and it just looks kind of shady. Um, it, you know, it all comes down to, uh, what can I say to stay in power? And then not even being realistic about it. Look at the, uh, um, the, like I said, with the borders. They, they, they. One side will call the other side names. If you think the, uh, well, the left will say the borders aren't open. You know, it, um, as there's millions of people crossing that we know of. What about the ones we don't? Yes, there are good people crossing that want to make a better life for themselves because they left socialist countries to a country that now a lot of the people trying to get in power and a lot of college students want socialism. You didn't. You didn't uh, escape socialism just to make more socialism, but I mean, but 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 what about the people who are sneaking and they're they're grabbing people that are on terrorist watch lists? They're grabbing, and these are the ones they find in camouflage. Like there were ghillie suits, and I don't know how shitty a ghillie suit they had to have been. If you get busted in a ghillie suit, your sniper instructor sucked. But that it's real, and there are people crossing yet. Uh, depending on the party that's in power, they're going to tell you one thing or another. If they're crossing, then we call them dreamers, and we call them other names or, 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 or whatever we name them. But but uh, um, if you're against it and you want closed borders, you're a racist. And listen to the name calling. Listen to the same fucking arguments over and over because it grandstands for the next election. They can get you with your emotions for a couple different things, and that's it. Don't think about what's real. You know, the, the, you talk anything about energy, and we'll get into the more stuff with it. Yeah, I mean, have you noticed that everywhere we're fighting, there's oil and gas? A lot of that going around. A lot of oil and gas in Ukraine. A lot of oil and gas over in that. shit ton over in Iraq. We've been to war in Iraq a few times. It's, it, there's, there's, always something, there's always something behind it, but someone's got to, But it's always the same points, and we're always repeating ourselves. And it's always the same fucking people that are telling you the same bullshit. The strategic oil reserves... Uh, were filled by President Trump. Now they're being emptied, and we're selling them. We're selling our strategic oil reserves that are there in case of a catastrophic emergency, in case of a war, so we can power up what we're doing. But we're selling that to China now. We're selling probably our biggest adversary, the oil that they need, so that we can just lower the gas prices. And we're not really going to tell you about it until after the midterm elections and until they're pretty much depleted so we can keep the gas at a level so a certain party can get reelected they're not telling you the fucking truth that we're we're shutting down uh, our pipelines here we we were uh uh energy independent now we're not because we shut it down why because we can start bullshitting about a green initiative we can simply say to people oh so we can have electric cars you know we should have cars that are actually just um Simply fueled by, uh, I don't know, unicorn glitter. That'd be fucking sweet. And they say it because they can tug on your emotional, the the strings at your heart about emotion. Oh, yeah I mean, hey, man, I would love it if we, you know, we have emission-free stuff. It's called nuclear, but that's a bad word because of politics. And they're bullshitting you. And they're telling you, why again would they tell you this? Why do they keep bringing up this nonsense? Oh, so they can get reelected. Why do you listen? Because the fucking crowd is screaming. And so you listen. And like I said, in the, uh, in the crowds, in the airports, when we're all going one way, you ever seen that thing where uh, people, it's a prank, people um, are all actors except for one, and a pr- the person who's not an actor gets in an elevator, and then as soon as the doors close, everyone except the non-actor turn and face the wall, then they just face the wall because that's what everyone did. That's what they're doing now. That Everyone starts screaming, I better start screaming. You know, the, 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 the people who run the crowds that will never be affected by any of this, not, not, not the farmers. Not the miners and their families. The the um the professors, you know, they got tenure. They're not affected. So they're going to scream, having no experience, just learning from a dude that learned from a dude in the same fucking classroom. They're going to tell you that why is that? Well, he can have his job. He'll stay in power. They can bullshit you. There's not a lot of. I mean, there's more money in bullshitting people who can fund it, the taxpayers fund it, and 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 we're all paying taxes, and it's going to come back to roost. That we're going to see. Look look at what happens in Russia right now. So um Vladimir Putin just he's going to try to get three hundred thousand conscripts which are basically people with jobs and they say guess what now you're in the military now you're going to fight they're going to train you for two weeks and you're going to ukraine and we're fighting and that's a we're going to definitely get into that one later but you've got um an army in ukraine who have a reason to fight they're defending themselves from an invading russia but uh they didn't have the arms until we start arming them, which we did. But then again, of course, there's a reason to start pumping money into Ukraine because that's a corrupt c- country, corrupt as shit, and we can, we can. That's one way to launder it. But now we're getting the money, and they're actually starting to beat the Russians back because they have people that want to fight against an army who has no morale, and they're being pushed back. And now they're um, they're pushing uh, 300,000 more troops with no training, two weeks of training, no morale, to the point where they're probably sharing guns, but they're all drinking and shit like that. Like it's it's the problem is. There's a lot of resources for the Russians too, so the longevity. It's it, this war is far from over, and it just sucks that they're doing it. But the point with the borders is people are the people who can. Cause the flights are sold out. Forget flying out of Russia; they're sold out. You're not leaving, but unless you have a yacht, which people are getting busted by some of the Russian billionaires, are they're going to get? They're getting busted uh, pulling people out. Um, but people who can leave on foot, car, or train, foot. Think about that. Leaving your country on foot, they're going to Kazakhstan, going to Georgia, and then going um, they're uh going to Finland. And at first, because Kazakhstan is is one of the biggest uh, areas in that re- region, one of the biggest countries in that region, very rich in oil and gas, by the way. And they're saying at first that's yeah, a humanitarian effort. We're going to keep them, and then they keep coming. Then these the people keep coming. They start closing their borders because. They're independent nations. That's what you do is you start closing your borders. So Finland, Georgia, Kazakhstan, uh, pay attention to that stuff. But um, yeah, that's all happening. And, and again, it's just um, the lies people will tell you to stay in power, you got to watch out for. And it's it's happening everywhere. Um, it doesn't bring me a lot of joy. But I mean, if, if you just step back from the herd, I was mentioning that we're, I, I hope I'm right when I say omnivore, like we eat everything. But we are a herd and a prey mentality. When you can be a wolf, if you just stick to the facts kind of back away a little bit and look at what's happening around you that's how you can help. And, and if you I mean I'm not I'm not I'm an independent I'm not a Republican I'm not a Democrat I hate the two-party system I think it's corrupt as shit I know it is I've seen it um, but just take that breath when we talked about if you want to if you want to be fast slow down Stand up and take a breath. Time's ticking. See what's going on around you. Notice the same, it's been the same arguments forever. It's been the same wars forever. It's been the same people in charge for a long, long time. And whenever new blood comes in, Donald Trump, prime example, he's not an insider. He's a businessman. Didn't need to do it. He said, he talked about the swamp. All he proved is the swamp is real and the swamp has fangs. And he didn't invade anybody. Everyone else has. But the outsiders have a tendency to get kicked out. Like I was saying, either party. If you don't tow the party line, we will find someone else to run against you in the primary, and that's where the funding comes in. That's why so many people from California are dumping money into Georgia for, for a local election because they need the seats for what? The party. Why do we need the party? For power. Why do you need power? So I can get rich. Not remembering what's important. Um, it's a very, very important note to take that breath. I, I, I bring that up because I was able to do a couple things In my travels, I don't just travel so I can come up with funny quips and meet kick-ass flight attendants, which I have, by the way. I've had some flight attendants have you know just kind of put you in perspective and say it's not that bad. Blah blah blah. That you know, I'm bitching about a a middle seat or some shit. Not not important. Um, Wasn't even that good of a story, but they're awesome. Um, But one of the things I did this week, I was able to get to New York City and go to Lower Manhattan for the. Tunnel to Towers event, which is um, Frank Siller started Tunnel to Towers, and what this foundation does is it it builds uh, mortgage-free houses for um, families of the fallen, Gold Star families, uh, catastrophically injured uh, veterans, first responders, things like that, and I went down to lower Manhattan, and it was a great gala, wonderful dinner, the staff there, again, people who are operating that don't get credit, the people who are serving you food, making sure the drinks are full, making sure, you know, bread on this side, and whatever, drinks on that side. Um, and uh, New York City's great because that is a place, that is one of the few places where they actually never forget. And I'm talking, um, well, Frank Siller's brother, Stephen Siller, died on 9-11. He finished a night shift, and then he they were actually going to go golfing. He got through the tunnel. Planes hit. He couldn't get back through the tunnel, so he ran, tunnel to towers, and then he died on 9-11. So um, to, to, to talk to some of the retired um, Firefighters and 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 uh, cops, Port Authority Police, New York Police, uh, NYPD, obviously, uh, FDNY, and people there just to to see it, to to see real families. There were there were families there from the 13 Americans who were killed in the uh, Bosch withdrawal, that withdrawal from Afghanistan that we fucked up because of politics, and the 13 families were there and to actually see people. Um, still traumatized, I mean not still traumatized, still in shock and the tears of losing their husband or their son. I, I got to meet I think six of the families and it's just incredible the realization that you do, you do need to reel behind the, the bullshit and the lies and the politics. There are real people getting affected by a lot of this shit and it's not the dumb shit we're screaming about. The, the shit we scream about that doesn't affect you, shut the fuck up. What are you screaming about? Remember what's important. But I got to get to New York and just to see it was it's really an, an eye opener for me. I mean I, I I think of 9-11, I think of the the raid I was honored to be on it, to kill bin Laden every single day, but a lot of people don't because it's a political talking point. If it's not convenient for your re-election, people just don't bring it up. And that's just that's a sad truth. And uh, from there we flew to Nashville, Tennessee, which I I uh, I just love. If you haven't been, get to Nashville. Nashville, Nashville, Tennessee now is getting on the um las vegas level of you're going to have a limit if you go to broadway and nashville <laughs> like 3 days you you're good uh but we went out there um uh we went out there for uh my foundation which is um special operators transition foundation we have a a golf event there at old hickory country club in old hickory tennessee right outside nashville and that's becoming the coolest golf course in nashville because uh, a guy by the name of Steve Smith, I love. Uh I think he he i mean he owns that. I think he owns a lot of honky tonks and shit like that. Great guy. He hosts there, and it's not a hoity-toity uh look how cool I am. Um golf club. It's like I asked him when I first joined out there, um what's the rule with like untucking your shirt? I mean, can I wear jeans? And he's like, oh, You don't have to wear pants, just don't hurt anybody. Great place. And it's like, um, you know, you'll be there having dinner and a beer and then, you know, Randy Hauser and Kid Rock are there or some shit. It's really cool. We played there. But the uh, Special Operators Transition Foundation is cool. Um, back when I started it, it was because uh, I was mentioning life. Life does move on. Um, what next? What do you do now? What's the way forward? Um, we're helping special operators transition to the private sector because a lot of these people who are, who are in the military, honest about their service, um, have skills that a lot of employers need and want. Um, People who can solve problems, people who can um, uh, manage stress and effectively communicate. Here's another reason with the term limits and getting rid of politicians and all the bullshit uh, fundraising. Another reason we need more veterans in politics is because um, they will get in a room and talk to each other. You know, if you're in a room where everyone agrees with you, you're in the wrong room. And if you're having a a, um, a debate or a negotiation you're not going to get everything you want and you shouldn't expect it, but you should know how to do it. Democrats and Republicans don't do that because it's, I am this and I believe this. And God forbid you come out against one side, they're going to both hit you. Check Twitter, for example. Um, but uh, that, these veterans, we, we went out there, um, great time. Um, check out SOTF.org, dot org Special Operators Transition Foundation. We did that, and we flew back, and uh, just a great weekend. Uh, I, I want to get more into um, – into Russia and all that stuff. Uh, um, it's, just, it, it's interesting what is happening with similar similar enemies and um, different foes, but it, it all kind of comes back to the same Cold War shit, and then we're all friends, and then we're negotiating. And then we get good leaders, and then they go, and then we get other ones. And uh, How serious is Vladimir Putin? He mentions nuclear weapons. Here's a guy that was raised, uh, didn't know he was poor, but he was poor, and one of, his, one of Vladimir Putin's things was, like they would go outside and play in the yard that had... Um, the like, roaches were obviously everywhere where he grew up in Russia, and then they would go outside. He, he mentioned it in one interview that they would play with um, rats, like chase them with sticks and shit. And he said he stopped doing that one day when he, when he had a rat that was cornered, and it was a big rat, and he fought for his life. And he, and he said, uh, don't ever mess with something that's fighting for its life. And, and that's kind of a lesson he learned from fighting rats in Russia. Now here's a guy saying, nukes, how far will this guy go? But um, I'm gonna. Uh, but you know, it comes back to the the human nature of things. I I always ask about, especially about um, valor, stolen valor, or why are you trying to pretend you're something you're not? Be proud of who you are. I, I was a. Uh, there's a fable I brought all this up because I'm not getting into the Russian thing. But there's a fable that came out of the late 20th century about. You may have heard it, but bear with me. It's about um. It's about the scorpion and the frog. And I guess it's a it's an example of uh situations involving a perceived lack of trust between parties and they can only change if the people themselves change that's why i was saying term limits and more veterans but in a nutshell again the story is there's a scorpion and a frog standing on the side of a river and the scorpion can't cross but obviously the frog can and the scorpion says to the frog hey can i ride on your back across the river and he said well no because you'll sting me in the head and the scorpion says well why would i sting you in the head Uh, that'll kill you and we'll both drown. And it made sense to the frog. And so he put the scorpion on his back and he started crossing the river. And they're halfway across the river. The scorpion stabbed the frog in the head. And as the frog was dying and they were both drowning, the frog said, why would you do that? And the scorpion said, it's just my nature. And sometimes people just are who they are. But if you uh, maintain the basics, master them and tell the truth You're never out of the fight.